As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply talking talking you are talking and i am enjoying the la dodgers cup okay it was, <laughs> great, it was a great game when i went to it <laughs> <laughs> how's the volume my volume is fantastic i would like you to know that these cups are all reusable okay and i love our dodgers okay hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of father knows something and the only thing i do know that i'm right about well i i'm I really don't know, because I've never seen your birth certificate or your driver's license, but you are Justin, and he's back with us again. So welcome to show number 38, and um, there we go. So Justin's going to have good stuff for me today. What's our theme? We're going in the direction of tough love, and that can be the person writing in needs some tough love. Maybe the person they're writing about needs tough love, mm -hmm. or it's just a tough love situation in general. Because making decisions sometimes are very difficult, and it really is tough love either to make that person grow. That's in the that's the recipient of tough love, but you can't continue down the path you're at because it's just going to be explosive and detrimental to everybody. That's right, and to them and to that person's self, basically, because there's no development. Yes. Okay. Well, we need to start with the socks. Ah, so these socks actually are fun because they say, I'll get over it. I just need to be a little dramatic first. You relate to this? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, because I, like I like to get a lot of mileage when I'm upset about something. <laughs> <laughs> All these socks, when I wear it, I will never forget the, uh, uh, the story that comes along with it. So, Gabrielle, I would like to really thank you for becoming part of our lives and our show. Okay. And what, what about your socks today? Well, oh, you were you were a benefactor of Gabrielle Socks as well. <laughs> the Bunyans, You're, because he's a Minnesota boy. Paul Bunyan is from Minnesota. That's right. So he is staying true to his true to his hometown. Okay. All right. Let's go. Tough love, number one. Yes, sir. I got rid of my ex's letter, and now my kids will never have their dad's goodbye letter. Trigger warning on this for suicide. Here we go. My high school sweetheart, whom I had just had a very amicable divorce with, 
took his own life at age 23, while our two sons were two years old and three months old. He left a note at the scene. After about a month, the officers offered me a copy of the note. It was addressed to our sons and I. It goes on and on about how he thinks he's absolutely the worst man that ever lived, that he was a bad dad, etc., which is all not true. I declined to keep the copy as the officers advised I didn't. Should I have kept the goodbye? I didn't even think they'd want to read it. I instantly just wanted to protect them from the traumatic situation and because his note was full of self-hatred and tears. I just didn't think that it was a proper representation of their dad, who was a fantastic dad. Now I'm thinking that it could have been a learning tool to show them that their dad was not himself that day or teach them about what mental illness can do, especially because in our family it is genetic and they will probably deal with mental illness. Even more importantly, it is their goodbye, not mine. This was their daddy saying goodbye forever. Did I make the wrong choice? My now three and a half year old is in therapy and has night terrors as he was there when I found out and then he was suddenly surrounded by officers and our friends who live near his dad. We only lived a block apart so the kids saw us both 50-50 and now his dad is gone. He remembers him and now I've taken away his goodbye. My now 18 month old will never ever have a memory but he deserved the goodbye. I am happily remarried to my childhood best friend who is the best stepdad, but they deserve to know their biological dad too. I feel as if I have failed them, all because in the one moment, I wanted to protect them from the hard things that they can't even avoid. What should I do? There's no more copies. Nobody kept one. Well, the first thing that came into my head is that there was a copy because the cops probably had it part of a file. And... I'm going to trust that when she says there's no more copies, she's, she's, she's exhausted that. You know, the good news, you, you are right. Your, your kids have a right to know. And I, I believe in 100% the truth to come through. The, the fact that you have this new you know, father in their life, they're going to grow up with this guy being their dad. You know, the history of what the man that, that, that biologically fathered them and loved them and just had an issue is obviously a story that you can now uh, tell your own and make them certainly knowledgeable of it and let them know that he loved them and you know whatever his issues were at that moment, his weaknesses and his illness, that it, it let them get him in, and that they have a right to know about it to make sure that they're okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously when you get to the part of, you know, this is not something that you would show your child when he was six years old, 10 years old, 12 years old, 15, 18, you know, maybe 18, maybe 20, but you know, you're going to let them know when they can really handle what's going on. And if you see them having their own issues, you're obviously going to be watching your kids, even with a more watchful eye on behaviors and trying to make sure that they're okay. And a parent knows. Mm-hmm. So if you see an issue, you know, when, when, they're, when their behavior is going from, you know, 10 to 11 and 12 to 13 or whenever this manifests itself, you'll be the first one to make sure that they get, you know, chemically treated, if that's what it is, or emotionally treated or whatever is available in that time. We have no idea what, what developments there will be with men, mental illness and DNA uh, alterations as we move forward and, and with our sciences yeah, because we grow every day in science, in medicine. So, you know, there's 
the fact that you don't have it, well, you, we can't cry. We, we, we can't cry over the fact that there's a fire that took you know all the memorabilia of a home. It's gone. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 the history that you have and the knowledge you have, you may want to document it as clear as you can because God forbid something happens to you between now and, the, and your children are 20, that somebody has it they, that they can really share the history and your story of it. You're their mom, you're a survivor, you're here. You can tell the story better than anybody and obviously protect the loving memory of your first husband and his sickness. And, and look, Part of his sickness might be where you are today, why, why you guys didn't make it. We, we don't know all this stuff. You know, we don't get enough information from your stories. Right. But I, I think you're okay, and I think you'll know how to deal with it. But don't waste a moment of your time now crying over the spilt milk. You know, you've, you've basically mopped up the, the, uh, the milk you know, that's on the floor, but you're going to document it. You're going to make sure that your children are very well aware of what it, what's going on. And the fact that you married this wonderful man who will raise these children in his own, and I'm living proof. I raised three kids. Biologically, they are, they are not my, uh, of my DNA. They know their, their, their biological fathers. Some of them have relationships with them that are very healthy, and some of them don't. But I always believed in the truth, and I always believe the truth will show through. And I have three wonderful kids that are very well adjusted. I am dad to all three of them. And they are full brother and sister to all three of them. You don't have any of that worry long as, you know, the behavior and the raising is done with true parenthood all the way through mm-hmm. and love and, and understanding and consistency. Yeah. I, I kind of had the same initial reaction as, you know, if this was pretty recent, it's interesting that they don't have a copy still on file. Mm-hmm. Um, since they offered you a copy of the note originally, right. not like the original or, right. or whatever. So I don't know. I'm I'm sure you've looked into it because that would be the first reaction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the tough love is here is, and I I think you realize it is that yeah, you kind of fucked it up. You kind of took the emotions of the moment and didn't really have the ability to fully consider the choice you're making. Mm-hmm. And you went into protection mode and then you understand the full gravity of the situation. So I think the, the hard part is now um, they're just worried that when they tell their children what they did, they're just worried about the, the kids not being able to forgive and, I- and holding holding this for like in resentment. Mm-hmm. I, I really do believe that, you know, first of all, these kids are, you know, you start, you may remember some items, you know, before you're three, but trust me, the la- the first memory as an adult you remember is probably around three and they're not very, you know, very graphic. I mean, there there's, there's things, but they do help form who we are. And I'm sure that this experience probably made a, a, a certain impact on that three-year-old the you know the eight-month-old at the time of i you know i think it's going to be a moot point but the certainly the three-year-old you know had some connection with his father and he certainly you know is going to have this but for you to carry guilt at this point in time that you made a mistake first of all you're in your early 20s uh you were in the under the influence of grief through this whole thing um you can't imagine even though it's a year later uh, at the time 
that you have started your life over. When someone hands you a letter or a suicide note from your first husband, I can't believe that doesn't react upon you. You don't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So get rid of that burden, but document it. The best of your memory, document right. what it is. So they can certainly you know, have the opportunity to know what really happened and because they're going to be much they're going to have much more questions than just that they're going to ask you about your relationship yeah be prepared about that be prepared on on what what the symptoms that you know that dad had but you remember also they're they're going to have the love and protection of of their new dad because that's that this is truly the only man they're really going to know and recognize as they go through who their dad Mm -hmm. is and was and focus on your relationship with this man because this is the guy who is dad. He's the one that will teach him baseball. He is the one that's going to go to the games with him. He's the one that's going to teach him to ride the bike. He's the one that's going to walk the dog with him. He's the one that's going to, you know, say, guys, make your bed, clean up your room. Yeah. <laughs> ask, yeah. ask my son Matthew about that one. <laughs> you know, you're fine. And I wouldn't, again, carry this, this big burden with you right now. And it's just hard because you can't tell them now you know you have to you have to wait and so you kind of have to sit with it for for years just and so when you say document it you mean like as much of that note as you can remember right right if you can't get a copy of the note write down every aspect that you can remember of the note so it's this is your job to tell the story as accurately as you can write it down and uh that's what that 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 i would do certainly yeah okay I hope that works for you. Let us keep us in the know and let us know how you're doing at time to time. Yeah. Okay. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Number two. Number two. Hello, Jerry, Justin, and Morgan. I am loving the podcast after coming over from Two Outtakes. When I found you, when I found out you were starting your own, it's been great listening to all of your dad advice. I am not close to my dad at all. My mom and grand basically raised me and I've never had a real slash constant father figure in my life. So who better than to give me advice than Jerry? Thank you so kindly. So on to my situation. I, 26 female, have been with my boyfriend, 26 male, for just over four years. We live together and have a dog. Unfortunately, things haven't been great as of recently and I fucked up big time. So for some background, my boyfriend and I had been arguing a lot and we even had a conversation about ending it all, to be honest, and I really thought it was going to be over, but after sleeping on things, we talked and worked out most of our issues, still a work in progress. 
About a week later, I had a work night out with some people I used to work with in a restaurant. It was great seeing everyone again. However, there is this one guy, 24 male, let's call him Greg. Now, Greg and I were close and we did sleep together a few drunken times when we worked together, but he is about two years younger, so he wasn't looking for anything serious. And I was just out of a toxic six-year relationship, so it was never anything serious until I developed some feelings that weren't reciprocated and I decided to distance myself. Cut back to the night out and we all went back to one of my fellow colleagues' homes and had a few more drinks before passing out on the couches. I went upstairs to the bathroom, but it's a big house and I've never been there before, so I was trying all the doors until I opened one and Greg was in there. Behind, behind the green door was Greg, <laughs> door number three. I thought he was sleeping, so I tried to close the door as quietly as I could to move on to find the bathroom when the handle creaked and he said, hey, what's up? I said, oh, sorry, just looking for the bathroom and got lost in this house. He told me where it was and I went on my way, but he asked me to come in for a chat for a bit. So I sat on the end of the bed and we spoke. He was saying how he enjoyed catching up with everyone and it was nice to have the old crew back together, etc. And then he started to say things like, you know, I still think about you, even when I was in a relationship. This took me off guard as he didn't want anything serious with me all those years ago. So why was he still thinking about me when he was in a relationship? Especially considering the fact that we didn't speak a lot over those years, I had left the previous job. Anyway, cutting to the chase, we ended up kissing and we ended up sleeping together. I say sleeping together, but it wasn't much before I was like, what the hell am I doing? Moved him all the way and got my stuff and went back downstairs with my girls and went to sleep until the morning when we got a taxi home. This was now about three months ago and I've thought about it every day since. Some days I'm sick to my stomach with myself. I removed him on all of my social media, but I'm pretty sure my boyfriend has him on Instagram and I'm worried that Greg is going to say something about what happened between us. And my question is, should I message Greg and say that we need to talk so I can ask him not to say anything? I know that this is for purely selfish reasons and that I should come clean, but I know that it would ruin everything. It would hurt my boyfriend deeply and I should live with the guilt for the rest of my life. It's my biggest regret in life. Should I message Greg to talk about this or should I leave it be and hope it all comes to pass? Wow. You know, I'm the kind of person that likes to keep integrity. And when you have a relationship without any secrets and it really helps your relationship of never coming, taking a path that why didn't you tell me? Um, also people will pass on, why should you burden him with your guilt? Meaning why should you, you know, get rid of your guilt and tell your boyfriend about it so you don't feel guilty anymore. If you told your boy, uh, your current boyfriend about Greg, is it to relieve the guilt of yours or to be honest? So that doesn't come up later where he can say, why didn't you give me the opportunity of making that choice or that decision? Um, personally, I believe that you have a uh, conversation. Look, you're, you, you've been going through strains. You, you have issues. If everything was strong and perfect in your relationship, you wouldn't have opened that door for Greg. So evidently we still have issues going on with, with your current relationship. And if you want to work it out, you may, you may want to say, look, we've had our issues. 
I did something that is, you know, I, I do know we've had some things that are not clear. I do know that I want our relationship. I would even start with that. There is nothing in the world. I wouldn't even say I made a fuck up. I would say, I want our relationship. And I know for our relationship to, to, to grow that I need to be 100% always honest with integrity of our relationship and our, when we're together, that nobody can come in and throw flying our ointment. Mm -hmm. And that's really the focus here, that you need to feel free enough that you could say you fucked up. And if he fucks up, he's got to be able to say I fucked up. And then you guys as a, as, as a mature couple can say, is this going to bring us down or can we grow from it? Now, I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of comments on this because some people are going to say, yeah, you just want to get rid of your guilt. It's more than that, in my opinion. It might not be in theirs. But I, I've had relationships with deception on both parts. Mm -hmm. When I was younger and I was you know, in my early 20s, there was deception. I mean, I may not have said I, you know, what I was really doing or whatever, but certainly I was clear as I don't, you know, I would consider myself out of a relationship for a moment so I can go do what the hell I wanted. Or all bets are off until I say I do and all this. Mm -hmm. But I really learned that all bets are off always. If, if you don't support your relationship and you take it for granted, there are ways that they, someone can chip away at it because you're obviously opening that door that you're looking for something. And if the person you're with isn't fulfilling or you're not allowing them to fulfill it because you're not growing together, you're going to have these issues. So it's not the it's not what breaks the the relationship that you did it. What broke the relationship is you guys weren't honest. To say there's a problem going on, and we haven't worked it out, or we're just not going to be able to until you figure that out. It's never going to be what you wanted, right? So um, I wouldn't get you know too. I th I would go with the tough love by being honest and building a relationship of 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 a hundred percent honesty between you and your partner. Because if you don't have that, I don't think you have anything. Your foundation, That's right. your founda your foundation is cracked. Uh, just done. a little additional info. Sure. In my previous toxic relationship, I was cheated on multiple times, and I did forgive him once, but I did not realize it was multiple times he had cheated on me. I never thought I would be that person that I would stoop so low. I am utterly disgusted with myself. Have some dark thoughts. I know most people listening to this episode will have an opinion on what I've done and who I am as a person, but I love my boyfriend and I want a future with him. I just wish I could turn back the clock and change what's happened. Um, and her ideal outcome was to get some advice on what I should do as I can't live like this anymore. And so I don't know why you're even considering messaging Greg to further hide this thing. If you literally can't live like this anymore, Sure, you could. Sure, you're going to be scared that Greg's going to go tell your boyfriend. Fuck Greg. <laughs> but if you are still thinking, oh, I can still go have Greg, like double down, have Greg hide this, you think that's not, you think that's going to feel better all of a sudden? You're giving Greg power, and I wouldn't give Greg any power. The power is really within you. But I'm just saying, even the thought of considering, right. let's push this further under, like let's hide this even more. Bad. That isn't going to solve your feelings of, I just like, of course you wish you could turn back the clock, but we can't. So we're here. And 
you're never going to be able to have the same type of relationship with your boyfriend continually to push this down and hiding this. There's only one choice here. That's it. You have to come clean and that's it. I don't think there's no, like if you want, if you're serious about this relationship Mm -hmm. and this is actually what you want, there's one choice. There's it's called maturity. This is the mature path. And if your current guy can, uh, be mature enough to deal with it. I I'd say you have a stronger relationship. If if he's not, then he may not be the guy for you for for your long term because nobody is perfect through their whole relationship. You know, this is something that happened early on when when I had my very first relationship, uh, my first love relationship. I probably I think I was. It started when I was nineteen or eighteen, and I chased her for three years. To, mm-hmm. to to go out with her, and it's a it's a great story. But when I hit twenty one and twenty two and twenty three or twenty one twenty about th- two or three years into the relationship, you know my hormones started rumbling and I wanted to go explore and all this stuff, and I was looking for every excuse in the world to go explore. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, and I broke up with her, you know, because of all those consistent you know desires to that she's not the one and the other one is out there and there's some grass is greener over there that's right you know at the end of the day should we have gotten married oh absolutely i would have loved to have married her and the the thing is is that i don't know we would have survived that immaturity but if we did survive the immaturity it would have been a, a different life for me and i'm not talking about my kids or anything else i'm just talking about that person and yeah in, in, in the way that we connected so early on in life. And it's interesting because sometimes you have a fantasy in your life what your life would have been with that person, but that also isn't reality. Right. Now, the good news is that we are still friends today, and uh, it's great to have that friendship, mm-hmm. but there's no passion or anything mixed in with it. It's just the, the foundation of our friendship and the stories that we can laugh and talk about or the way we understand each other. And that's very positive. Yeah. So it's it's tough when you're so young that you know the reactions you could have had or work your way through. So I hope that he will have the the maturity and the emotional ability to deal with it and I absolutely say that do not think that you're going to hide something from him and your relationship's going to get stronger. That is not what's going to happen. Yeah. Your relationship will not build with with a weak brick in that foundation. Right. It will it will collapse eventually. So yeah. so get rid of that weak brick. Yep. A scar is far better. That's a good one. Wisdom. <laughs> get it on the sock. Another line <sighs> for the socks. The weak brick. <laughs> yes. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right, number three. Hi, Jerry, Morgan, and Justin. Thank you for being a part of my weekly routine and Jerry for being a father figure when I've needed one. My female 25 relationship with my dad is similar to you and Morgan's relationship. My bio father left me when I was young and my mom remarried to the man. My bio father left me when I was young and my mom remarried to the man I always considered my dad. He's been in my life since I was five and was always there for me when I was a kid. But lately our relationship has been rocky. My mom and him separated a couple years ago. When that happened, I asked him to formally adopt me and offered to pay for it. We were both really excited and found a lawyer, but then things stalled with COVID and we never went through with it. I think I asked him to do it because I was worried he would leave my life when they separated. When things fell through, I was okay with it because I knew our relationship was more than a document. However, in the last year or so, he's been incredibly distant. He never reaches out first and we barely see him. We become a birthday Christmas family. When I got married last year, he barely even showed up for the first look I had scheduled with him, complained that I was bridezilla and forgot to write a speech, even though he was the only person at the whole event giving one. He asked my husband to come over sometimes to help with home projects and often talks to him about how he feels like my bio father now and understands why he was so shitty to me. He also talks to my husband about me and his relationship with my mother and then asks my husband to keep this secret from me. When Father's Day occurred last week, I didn't even want to go because there was no reason to honor him as a father to me, but I keep going to these events because I have a half-brother, 15, who is his son and I don't want him seeing the issues. I don't know how to recorrect and I'm not sure if that's what I want anymore, but I also don't want to hurt my brother anymore than he's already been with the separation. I hate the idea of losing another father, but I have severe social anxiety and going out of my way to save a relationship that doesn't feel worth saving feels impossible. Right now, I'm just trying to weigh my options on how to proceed. I don't want to cut him entirely out of my life, but this broken relationship hurts and brings up painful memories of my bio father leaving. I also don't want to feel obligated to act like his daughter when he's not being a father figure to me. I'm tired of awkward holidays and family events. I also don't want it to affect my brother, who I love dearly. Well, you use the word acting a lot. I hear acting like my father, acting like a daughter, acting, acting. That is not the same as you're my dad. So you got to get that those those adjectives in your in your thought process of what, who this guy really is. I look at this guy as who's your dad, period. And fathers have issues sometimes with daughters, and daughters may have issues at time with their fathers because growth mm-hmm. and changes in life changes. Look, you're you're getting married. There's life changes, position change. You have a man in your life that is. You know, your defined guy, your go-to guy, your relationship guy. And the father gets pushed aside. He's a little different. Um, Morgan is definitely in a relationship with a man. He's right next to me. And my relationship with my daughter is different. We don't see each other consistently as much. 
intimately that we used to. I mean, we used to spend a lot more time together, but look, you know, yesterday they decided to go to the beach and the two of them went off and went to their beach. I don't expect to do it. <laughs> That's her life. It's changed. It's grown. I had no problem with this transition. I look at it as, as it is a vacation. <laughs> However, <laughs> so let me just say this. Tough love? Yeah. And you may, and I've also heard the relationship. I have to fight for a relationship. If they're worth it, you fight for them. But you can certainly say, we have an issue. I'm feeling it. I'm hoping you're feeling it. Because if we're both feeling this pain, maybe we can work our way through it. Yeah. And I want to have a conversation and have a, the most heartfelt conversation with the two of you that you guys can, can, that you guys can evolve that will make you better. Um, my son and I have a very unique relationship. We were together day after day till he was about 13. And the next thing he knew is I moved to California and I tried to, uh, see him every month. And obviously every month became every six months or three months. And then it came every six months. And, you know, it's, it wasn't every day mm -hmm. and he felt abandonment. Now it didn't mean I didn't call him every day and maybe I missed a day or two or three. I mean, there's times, but I mean, it's been a consistent relationship still, but you know, he re he certainly has reacted and he's got anger. And even though we get along wonderfully, and I love, I mean, I love my son mm -hmm. and I, and I understand that. And I, so the other day we were talking, I was home for, you know, for a weekend and, or a week and I hung out with him every day. And, you know, he, he, we certainly know we love one another. We, we, we consistently reinforce that we do everything when we're there together, except I don't go work out as much as he would like to work out. <laughs> but needless to say, I said, uh, he goes, well, I'm, you know, I feel disconnected to a lot of people. And I said, why? And he goes, well, because, you know, they're always telling me what to do and I hate to be told what to do. And I said, I said, the one thing I, and I thought about it, one thing I don't do is I don't tell this kid what to do because I know it's a trigger for him. So and he go, I go, well, do you feel disconnected to me? And he said, yeah. And my heart sank. And I said, well, guess what we need to do, son? He goes, what? I go, we're going to go camping and go on a fishing trip. Now, Guys, I will all let you know that I have not been camping or on a fishing trip with my son for 25 years because <laughs> I don't go camping and I don't fish. <laughs> but the fear of me making him go camping and fishing, he, he buckled up and he said, we're not going camping and fishing. I said, oh, until we feel connected, we're going to go on a camping Because yeah. if anything that will do, it will be a trip out in the wilderness with one another to learn how to survive with each other. That is true. And it will work. So I said, we're going up to the boundary waters. And he is he was feared that I was going to pull this off and do it. Even though I was leaving in one day, he didn't know. He, he knows if I get my mind in that bonnet. But just the statement made us bond and made us laugh. And, you know, you have to identify these things. Yeah, It's really, really, really important. And not to beat each other up, but to raise one another and our relationships to a higher level. So far as you and your dad, um, don't disconnect them. Force the reconnection by calling it to a head and saying, what can we do to do that? And maybe you have to go just say, you know something? You and I are having a weekend. We're going to go, we're going hunting. <laughs> we're going to go fishing and camping. <laughs> because reality is he's using your, your husband as the conduit. 
And at the time of it, he's, he's promoting distrust between the two of you. And that's the worst thing in the world. Yeah. It's interesting how it just changed too. And I think when parents separate, when a kid is an adult, mm-hmm. it, it forces you, yes, they're not there every day. So it forces you to have to put a lot more effort in to mm-hmm. maintain a relationship. It's similar to a lot of the stories we read about friends kind of starting to distance mm-hmm. and how that naturally happens in life. Mm-hmm. And if there is a true friendship, it's a two-way street and both parties need to put in the effort to make it work. Mm-hmm. And we've seen cases also through stories where someone tries to put an effort with a, a parent that they're starting to feel distance from and they're constantly met with barriers to that from that person again mm-hmm. and again. And then they realize, okay, I did what I could and it just like, it's not on me anymore, right? There's only so much you can control. So having that first sit down and saying, hey, there's something up here and then see if you can figure it out. Because if you see a glimmer of hope from Mm -hmm. his side to say, hey, yeah, I really want to make this work. Then you just go all in. Then you do the trip. Then you like, you do something to really reinvigorate this. But if you're met with, again, that distance and that, just that weird obstruction, I don't know even what to call it. But that weird obstruction could be guilt from something. It could be something that's very much, look, big, the big flash here is the divorce. Yeah. The separation from, from mom and dad. And there is dynamics that goes on those. We had, we had one before where there was a divorce you know, who do I side with? You know, my mom or my dad, 20%, yeah. 80%. Remember that one? Yep. So there's all kinds of different dynamics that go on here. The thing is, is that they may have separated because living together, sleeping together, waking up every morning together and whatever else went along didn't work for one of them anymore and they weren't growing for whatever that reason. But your relationship wasn't about that. Your relationship was really about them between you and him bonding as, as a mother, as a daughter and a father, him teaching you to, you know, and experiencing these events from the time you were five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You got all that history. And that is all positive history. And the conversation that you just need to work out with him is your relationship going forward. Yeah. And the importance, you know, the the adoption thing, the paper means nothing. It's it's what's in each other's hearts because you could have the paper and nothing in your hearts and what good is it? Right. But you can have what's in your heart and not the paper yep. and you still have whatever you need. So I think the the paper thing is really more of a legality thing. It's for inheritance. If that's if, even if if you need it for inheritance, that's really what the paper is about. It's really nothing about who who we are to one another in our hearts. Yeah, right. So I. I, I'm not going to discount your issue. I want you to really uh, soul search a lot of these thoughts and see how you can implement the, these tools and uh, let us know how, how they work for you. Yeah. Okay. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Up next, number four, we have one that was kind of a double submission. So it's from the same person mm-hmm. and there's definitely a clear problem in the in the first uh, submission. Okay. And then the second one kind of builds off that. So I think it defines it more. Um, it, it more builds off it and there's like almost two problems to address here. So how are you going to deliver this to me? I'm going to read both of them. And then we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I think I'll include the ideal outcomes and everything. We'll just okay. read all of it. And read then it all. We'll and then go. we're going to go. Two years ago, I found out my father has ALS. He is my best friend and has been one of the only people in life who gets me. With that being said, he has kept it a secret a while before that and is very secretive of his well-being and his health even now. Since his diagnosis, our relationship shifted. Less joking, before he was hilarious and lively, very short conversations, and it seems that he struggles to show that he wants us, his two daughters, around. I love him. I know that this is not him. Any advice on how we can bond and communicate openly without pushing his mental or physical health? I miss him. He is not gone, but he is not the same. I would like open communication about his well-being or at least possibly ways we can still bond or work on building up our father-daughter relationship again. I am only 21. I was 19 when I found out and it broke me. To this day, I struggle with severe depression and anxiety about his health and how much time he has. He is very slow physically and verbally. So part two. I, 21 female, have recently went through many changes in my life involving losing a grandparent, having my dad diagnosed with ALS, moving, and starting a new career. The problem is I feel that mentally I'm stuck, disassociated from my life and the people around me. When things are okay, I feel that I mess up a lot. At least that's what my 22 male boyfriend says. We've also been struggling, so I'm, I'm unsure if that's a part of my issue. My ideal outcome is to be able to be present in my life and feel achievements and not blame myself as much. I just want to be able to say that I want to live and I deserve to live. Your life was shattered like a glass two years ago. Um, From my understanding of ALS, which is very minimal, uh, life expectancy is not long-term with ALS. It is a debilitating thing where it takes your muscles and... It, it it deteriorates them. Mm-hmm. And you're coping with in a self-protect mode of all of this, let alone the fact that your dad is going to be gone. And the dad that you were able to have fun with and do all this stuff, he's inside, but he can't, he's dealing with his own 
mortality yeah and wants to have his best days he can with you so you're dealing with that now as far as your boyfriend in that relationship you're trying to support a relationship which which is supporting two people which depends these are the thing about a relationship i i call it the sugar pile and if you are the one that is has to keep dishing out for the sugar pile for everybody there's no sugar in your pile for you to to survive and that would give you that feeling of doom. If you have people that can encourage you and support you through all this and keeps your sugar pile fulfilled, then it gives you more to, to sustain and work everything around. There is a lot of um, mind uh, control here and maturity that is forced upon you and you might need some and i would actually strongly recommend it some psychological assistance mm -hmm. um to help you you know get through all this and you need to have conversations with your dad not to burden him with your with your pain because he's got his own burden he doesn't want he already feels the burden for you he already knows that what you must be going through and doesn't want to put you through that, yet he wants to be able to enjoy you. I cannot imagine a father who doesn't want to enjoy every day with his daughter, especially when his days are limited. Yeah. Um, this is a, a horrible, horrible disease that he's going through. And, and you know it more than me saying it, because I've never had experience you know, going through it. I mean, I'm, I'm familiar mildly, but that's yeah. it at yep. best. So... First thing I would definitely uh, get us some counseling for yourself to help you with this, um, because this is really on you to be able to deal with it all. Mm -hmm. And far as your father goes, you man just be there and try not to make him strain or stress about anything else because he's got enough strain and stress as it's going on. You know, I'm sure that there's ways that things in his mind that he would like to experience for you, you know, with you before he goes or we get to witness, but you know, you're going to have to just kind of put it all in that hopper and have these conversations. This is when you really need to be openly honest with one another as you talk. So there are no secrets between the two of you before he is gone, because unless there's some medical miraculous cures for this horrible thing, your your dad is is limited days with with us. Yeah. So you got to get used to this, you know, communicating through a spiritual side, um, and not just the physical side. Yeah, I think therapy is the best first step because the biggest concern here is the fact that wants to feel like when she does achieve stuff, she wants to feel good about them. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want to feel. She doesn't want to blame herself as much for all of this, which. She has no reason to, but I think therapy can help you get there. Absolutely. It's hard to not want the the things you used to have, but it's hard to expect those now. And I think if you adapt as he is evolving, then, you know, at whatever point in time when he goes, you can be happy and look back and think like, oh, I'm glad I had these last moments and these times with my dad and I wasn't like super emotional or upset or mad at him. I was just enjoying the time. I went through, you know, the, the, the life cycle of a parent longer, obviously than what you're going through. 
but I will tell you at the end of the day that it's a metamorphosis. It's, it's my, my relationship with my parents continues. It's just not in the physical fashion that we were used to before. It is a metamorphosis. It's a spiritual relationship. It's a, it's a whole different thing, but we still, even my siblings, we still talk about our parents that, you know, I know you're there. (laughs) That was definitely you knocking on the door. It's, it's different, but it, it, it doesn't go away. So what I'm hoping that you'll do is be able to go through this metamorphosis with him to assuage, if that's the right word, um, the, uh, the pain of, of what we're all going to go through as we do this and realize the beauty of his life, the beauty of the things you shared and the beauty that you can still share while he's here and, and take those take that positivity and focus on the positivity than the negativity of him being gone mm-hmm. so soon. Yeah. And I do again, because of just your, what you're going through with yourself feelings as, as Justin pointed out, get some assists, get, get, do get some counseling that will help you with this. Um, because it's not going to hurt you at all. It's only going to assist you. Yeah. And something that helps me too, like with so much going on with losing a grandparent, dealing with your dad's health, moving, starting new career, mm-hmm. your relationship with your boyfriend. I think when you start to have problems in some of these major key areas mm-hmm. of your life, you tend to just stack them all on top of each other. And it feels Do- like this. It's like a stack of dominoes. Yeah. Just gonna and it's like down. this unbearable weight that you carry on your shoulders every day. And it feels like the whole world is ending. Yeah. And I think one thing that's worked for me really well is to, it's very difficult, but you have to just like compartmentalize it. You got to mm-hmm. put, take each category and put it in its own little box and say, okay, how do I feel about this? How do I deal with this? And put it all, don't let it all stack up. Which go, la- is, go laterally with it. Yeah. That. And so if you can take on one thing at a time, it even when they're all happening at the same time, and just find little things to be happy about. Like a new career is very exciting. Moving mm-hmm. is also very exciting. Mm-hmm. It may make some of these other things harder, but you can find beauty in little moments throughout those processes. If you, if you can do it laterally and mm-hmm. one of them crashes, the whole house doesn't come come caving down. I know it, it might be easier easier if to, to make that visual or descriptive, but I know one thing, going through counseling will help you do yes, that. Yes, 100%. So that's why, again, I, I know that we're both recommending get some assistance with it. it. It won't hurt you. Yes. Okay, next one. Okay, number five. Okay, bring it on. You like that? I do. Five. Five. Dear Jerry, yes. so I've been friends with Kay since we were 12. We are both 19 now. We've both moved and continued to be friends and hang out. We've had problems in the past with him blocking me whenever he gets a girlfriend, then coming back after they break up. Recently, whenever we have plans, he cancels at the last minute or just doesn't say anything to me till the next day. It's becoming too frequent that every time he wants to make plans, I just agree then make other plans knowing he will cancel. He also got a new girlfriend, so I just know I will be blocked soon. Before that, I've been thinking of calling him out for his behavior. But part of me doesn't want to. This is because we both suffer from depression. I am on antidepressants and am doing better. That never worked for him, and he still struggles. 
I feel like I always let him get a free pass for how he treats me because I know his mental health is worse than mine and I don't want to do anything to upset him. I'm getting to my breaking point where I feel I need to call him out and let him know how he's treating me isn't okay, but I'm scared to lose him. We've been friends for years, so if you could help me figure out if I should say something, if I should say anything or what I should say so I can convey my thoughts but not lose him, as well as let him know him blocking me every time he gets a girlfriend hurts me. I'm fine with us not being as close, but just dropping me hurts. Any advice helps. Ideal outcome is him understanding that what he does hurts me and us still being able to be friends with no hard feelings and everything going back to how it was before he started acting like this. Additional info, every single one of his girlfriends has made him block me or at least that's what he has told me it is. I'm not sure why, as we have a strictly platonic relationship and slept together once when we were 16, but I don't see him telling his girlfriends this. Let me say it this way, that a couple thoughts came to my mind. And the last, you know, the fact that we did confirm that they did sleep together, there was a relationship. You know, I have a friend that uh, I've had now for... I don't know, 40 years. (laughs) His name is Jimmy. And Jimmy and I are, again, some of the oldest, truest friends that we talk pretty much daily. Yeah. If not, certainly every other day. And there are times where I would live in the same town as him that we hung out, you know, every second of our free time, we would go out. Uh, to the bars together as we were, you know, hunting as young men every day. <laughs> Truly the best of friends, truest friends. And there would be times where I would upset him and he wouldn't say anything. Now, it would percolate and percolate and percolate and whatever that little item was, I mean, it's so different than if you're a couple. Yeah. Spend, you know, something was irking him. So what he used to do is he would write a letter. <laughs> he would take a note and he would write and scribble and scribble. He's a very, very litigious, you know, writing kind of guy. Yeah. And he would just, not litigious, but I'm trying to write the word as a scriber. And he would scribe these letters that would be, you know, you know 10 miles long, 42 pages. And then he would, he would call me up. And he says, we have to talk. and the first time it happened i said all right let's go let's talk i'd get there he goes you sit there and i'm going to sit here and i'm going to read this and you're not allowed to talk until i'm done because i gotta get through this four four, 42 hours later (laughs) (laughs) and i would really listen to his pain that he was feeling from our from our friendship or, or behavior that I was doing. And the way that he would do it, it wasn't a yelling match. It wasn't, I told you this, or you told me that. I would just grin and let him get it off his chest. Yeah. And then we'd talk about it. And I obviously feel horrible that my friend is, but we'd have this discussion. I will tell you that it's been about 25 years since I've had one of those letters. Even till date, I have not had them in a long time. And the reason why is because he wrote those letters. Right. And we were able to get through it. Um, 
I've had girlfriends. Most of the women that I've, that I've had relationships with are still in my life. Because if we couldn't make it as a relationship, that we were obviously once physical. If we could have made it that way, we would still be together. Right. The fact that we're not physical anymore and we're, we're, we're beyond that, we, we realize we're, that's not our relationship, but we still like, like one another. We didn't, we didn't betray one another that we can be friends. Yeah. I, did a, I, I was actually asked to conduct a wedding, um, what, four months ago, three months ago? Yeah. And who did I marry off but one of my ex-girlfriends and her, and, 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 and her fiancé? Yeah. And they were all friends. It is not uncommon. Um, because you don't make it physically at that time doesn't mean that you don't love one another and care for one another. Whatever happened, you know, f- you know, five years ago or seven years ago is long past. It's not our life, but we care for one another. And we're friends and we're able to grow this way as our friendship. And right. That it's healthy. So how do you, how do you get him to understand that? Uh, she's going to have to sit him down. And say, look, you know, I, 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 I understand that when someone comes in your life, you don't need me. At least that's what the perception is. And he'll, cause he's going to say, that's not true. Right. And, but if she stops and says, look, I, I re- I'm going to really read you this, or I want you to see this. This has caused me pain. And I love you as a friend, because if we were going to be a, a, if, if we, if we love one another as a couple, we would be a couple, but we're not. And the women that you're with, whoever is in your life, if they can recognize that, we can all be friends. I would like that. And not that we have to spend every day together. I'm, I'm certainly not asking you to take the, the, the relationship that you share with her and have to share it with me. But you're welcome to take our friendship and share it with her and that we can all become friends. Right. If we can all handle it, if, if there's a connection. Right. You know, that we can all grow. Um, it, it's a difference, but because someone was important to you and you were physical with it one time, doesn't mean that you can't be, uh, you can't grow with them in a non-physical way, but still in an emotional way as being that support and friend. And you, and you don't have to keep abandoning them. Right. Because if he keeps abandoning you, you may not need to have him as your friend. That, and it's really on you and you need to go out and meet some other people and build other friendships. That's right. You know, you should be doing that anyways. It doesn't mean you have to hold on to that friendship forever unless, unless there is something that you're holding on to. And if that's what it is, then you have to have a different conversation with him. Yeah. And if you find that it's not healthy and you need assistance uh, professionally with it, maybe it's something professional you can seek and have someone help sort out these feelings with you and why you have this attraction still. And if you can't separate that, only you... You know that for yourself. We haven't got into that within your letters. Yeah. So if I was your a father and I was sitting down with you, these would be probes I would do with you. And I would say, honey, let's talk about this friendship that you have. And maybe I can help you organize your thoughts and put it in perspective for you. And since this isn't a conversation you and I are having that way, that's have it with someone else that loves you very much or a professional. Yeah. I think that's great. Okay. That's where we're at. That's what we have. Tough love. There's definitely going to be another tough love coming because we have a lot of stories for this. So this is it for this uh, number 38, tough love. But I will let you know that sometimes tough love will definitely uh, 
solve some of your problems and help a relationship go forward and everyone grows. It's the only thing good about tough love, everybody grows. Well, and sometimes you yourself need some tough love. And there's no doubt about that. So uh, we're going to leave this episode and move on to our Patreon. So if you're a Patreon viewer, be sure to go check us out because Justin's got something for us. Good night. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.